You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Awesome. Thank you and good morning again. Um, such a privilege to come over here. I do love coming over to, to our Belfast campus. Um, it's so good. And um, as, as we continue our, our series on, on fingerprints, I've had a specific passage in mind that I, I want to draw our attention to this morning. Um, if you have your Bible with you, why don't you come with me to the book of Micah? And there's this well-known passage found in chapter 6. And we're going to pick things up from verse 6 this morning. Micah 6, verse 6. It says this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves, with a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams? 10,000 rivers of olive oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. If you're talking, uh, taking notes this morning, the title of my message is called Back to Basics. Back to to basics. And through the lens of this passage, I want to speak to the influence that each of us carry. That's, that's our fingerprint mark that I'm talking about this morning, is that we each carry an influence, and we have influence within us. Can you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much, God, just for who you are. God, first and foremost, that you would send your Son Lord, that we could be in relationship with you. Father, that you so loved the world, that you gave nothing, that we, we, you left it at nothing, that we wouldn't be back in your presence, that your Holy Spirit, your personal presence is with us always. Father, we pray that Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would come in power this morning. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have us reveal this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, I can, I can vividly remember as a child uh, going to sports games. I, I played a lot of sport as a child and I still do now. But I can vividly remember with, uh, going with my dad and on the way to each game, he would say this, this one thing. This was his motivational tip to me as a young player. Just remember to do the basics well. And now maybe that's because I played rugby and dad's from South Australia. And so that is the, the, the depth of advice that he could actually give me. He was, not, he was not able to give me technical or tactical advice. That was my job to give him. But what he did know was that, that uh, if I do the basics well, I'll have a good game. <laughs> Before the All Blacks game the, the other week uh, against Argentina here in Christchurch, and I won't uh, gloss over that result again for those who are still mourning. Uh, the Argentinian coach, Michael Checker, was asked uh, before the game by one of our media, what do you need to do to beat the All Blacks? He said this, we just need to do the basics. 
a professional international team, the coach said, oh, we just need to do the basics. See, mastery begins with the basics. Mastery of any skill, we, we can apply it to any skill. Mastery of art begins with the basics. Mastery of music begins with the basics. Mastery of cooking begins with the basics. Mastery of building begins with the basics. In my heart, and and maybe this is just for me, but I feel like God is calling his people back to the basics of what it is to live out faith. I I, I truly do. The foundation of our faith. I I feel like when we talk about things like influence, we've, we've hyped it up to be this thing about building our profile. But God's saying, no, come back to the basics. Come back to the basics. And what does God require of us this morning? To act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. This passage in itself is is Micah as a minor prophet in the Bible to, he's calling his people back to the basics of who they are called to be as followers of God. Jesus put it this way when he was on the earth, when he was challenged by a teacher of the law. In Matthew 22, 36, it says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Note that, all the law, all the prophets. Love God, love people. Our faith in its uh, origins is actually basic. Love God, love people. It's us who've made it complicated. The context of this, this whole chapter of Micah is one that I find fascinating because of the dialogue going back and forth between Micah and God. And I don't have time to go into it this morning, but I encourage you, if you're interested, there are some great commentaries on this. I will paint this picture, though. The biblical commentator, David G., is what I call him because I can't pronounce his last name. Don't judge me. He paints a picture of chapter 6 being like a courtroom with God as the accuser and judge. Micah is the defendant, and he's sitting in a witness box. This is important to kind of understand why we had that weird little bit of dialogue at the start. So at the start of chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, is almost like the all rise the judge is entering in. He talks about the hills and the mountains and the valleys are there. They're in that place. Verses 3 to 5 is the Lord's complaint against Israel. Bang, bang, bang. Here's my accusation. Verses 6 and 7, where we started our passage this morning, is Micah's response. He's sitting in the witness box going, God, what can I do? And it's one of angst. It's one of tension. It's not a light, what do you want me to do? No, it's one where he is crying out to God, what would you have of me? Do you want my rams? Do you want my rivers of oil? And that's when we get verse 8, the reply. No, this is what I've told you is good. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with me. It's a return to the basics. I don't want your your stuff. I want your heart. Why is this conversation important? Because it is us being called back to the simplicity of what we believe as the people of God. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. It is time for us to come back 
to basics. I believe that kingdom influence that we carry when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is different to what we would probably define influences today. See, influence today is about accumulating your profile, building your profile, stretching it out, and making it as big. It it comes with power, it comes with wealth, it comes with fame. But Jesus said this, even he came not to be served, but to serve. The king of man came not to be served, but to serve. Our influence is different. We have influence when we carry this when we walk in these basics, Jesus puts it like this in Matthew 13. says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That speaks to influence. Jesus is saying we carry influence. He says this in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is very uh, poignantly pointing out that we carry influence that is not only for ourselves, but it is to be noticed by those around us does not come by building our personal profile. It comes by walking humbly with him. Can I just note something really quickly? Notice how the new command that Jesus has in John differs slightly from the one in Matthew. In in Matthew, we're told to love others as we love ourselves. Catch this, in, in John, we love each other as Jesus loves us. Do you notice that little difference? See, this is why it is a new command. And it is one that can only come through revelation of who Jesus is to ourselves. We can't actually love people the way that Jesus loves people until it is deep within our heart that we know how Jesus sees us. And did you know that is pure in his eyes? set apart, set free, called, appointed, given a new mantle of authority to stand upon. Why? Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Maybe you're here this morning, and and I do want to touch on this point, and as soon as you heard me say I'm speaking on influence, you disqualified yourself. Easy to do. I've done it. I do it all the time. But can I suggest that you start here? Can I suggest that you go on a journey to truly see how Jesus loves you? Because when we understand that within the depths of our heart, we can't help but express that through people. And it's not something that's forced or made to do. It naturally happens. That's the beauty of influence, right? Sustainable influence is something that is built upon over time and is left behind for others to follow on. I think of people like Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, all these wonderful heroes, often of our faith, but also of our culture. They didn't build their own platform. They built upon something that was deeper within them, and that's why it's sustainable. 
I tell you this, the, the Bible talks about that, that there are things of this world that will, will fade and rust and go away. We need to stop looking at influence as this thing that is promoted up on a stage by someone who has built their kingdom around themselves based only on themselves. That is not influence. That is not sustainable. The most sustainable influence that has ever happened in this earth happened, I don't know how many years ago, and it was when God spoke, let there be light. We are still living in that influence today. That is the influence that we walk in today. And through that, other things have been built upon it through our first breath, through the Israelites bringing out of Egypt, the genealogy of genealogy of Jesus, that we would have a saviour, that we could stand here today, pure and holy in his eyes. That church is influence. And it did not come by someone standing there waiting to be served. It came from a servant king. And he calls us to come back to the basics of what it is to be servants of him. See, I, I, I believe there's two ways that you can gain influence. One is through the building of a profile. We, can, we can't ignore that, but I don't believe that's sustainable. But the other influence, the influence that I'm talking about, is one that is given through authority. The reason that we need to understand how much Jesus loves us because there is an authority in that, that he came for you. He died for you. Why? Because he wanted you, because he saw you, because he knows you. And when we understand that, we begin to walk out in our daily lives and our, our understanding of the basics of faith come back to this. We act justly. Why? Because Jesus acted justly. We love mercy. Why? Because Jesus still loves mercy. We walk humbly. Why? Because Jesus walked humbly. I think of that moment in the garden of Gethsemane where he's going, God, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I, I can't help if I'm honest as, as a man sitting there. I don't know if that would be my prayer in that moment. God, bring those angels. I don't want this if I'm honest. But the king of man said, no, not my will, but your will be done. Through his service, there was an influence that came down through authority that is now passed on to us that every single one of us now carries influence. It is not about what you do for a job. It is not about how much money you have, what car you drive, how big your family is. That does not matter. We carry an influence because God has called us set apart. As ambassadors of him, that is a position of authority that carries an influence. Now, when I say building a, pro a profile, please understand me, I'm not talking about things like advertising on Facebook and, and things like that. It's, it's important to, to mention this because it's really easy to disqualify a whole lot of things. But what I'm talking about here is intent. When we're building our profile, it, it comes back to intent. Whose profile are you building? Are you building yours or are you building his? Two camps. One carries an influence for you. It's not sustainable. One carries an influence that is greater and leaves a greater mark. See, I believe this. I believe that the message remains the same, but sometimes methods do change. 
It's okay to change our methods, but we need to understand whose profile we're building when we change those methods. Is that all right this morning? We're talking about a heart thing. Intent is a heart, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, to me, almost throws back to the, what does God require of you? This is your true and proper act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's it's like he's screaming to us, I don't want your burnt offerings. I don't want your calves. I don't want your rivers of olive oil. I want your heart. I want your heart. Give me your heart and I will give you influence. Not to do your will, but to carry mine. To come back to the basics and and do what I require of you. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with him. A saying that, that I often stick to is this, and it's character speaks. Character speaks. Justice, mercy, and humility are character traits. We know this because they're traits of God, they're traits of his character. Sometimes coming back to basics requires some character development, and that can be uncomfy. But that's why we we have passages like this in Psalm 51 where David's crying out, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. He's, He's saying, God, bring my heart back to the basics of what it is to follow you. We know David's story, and it's not all glitz and glam. He was not the most upstanding king at some point, but he was known and still is known as a man after God's own heart. To actually live this out, it takes a renewed heart, one that is continually shaped and influenced by our king so that in turn we influence others through his spirit, through his word, and through his deeds. I want to, with my remaining time, put some wheels on this passage and and give us some practical points. And these practical points are a little bit different because uh, they're very personal to me right now. These are actually prayer actions that I'm taking in my life. I'm not giving you something to go away and do. I'm, I'm revealing something that I am currently doing right now. And I pray that it encourages you on this journey. These, these three points are simple. They're prayer points in my life right now. Number one is this, justice. For me, justice is is not only about the outcome, but I've recently learned that it's about discovering the truth. I believe that God cares deeply about truth. It's one of the aspects of the armor of God we're told to put on in Ephesians 6. It's also who he is. Without truth, how can there actually be justice? See, so often we're looking for the, the result of justice, the result of justice, but we've glossed over the pursuit of truth. 1 John 3, uh, 8 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. God is a God of justice. Why? Because he's a God of truth. But as followers, we're instructed to act in that just way, which means we must also care deeply about the truth. How do we do that? Well, we don't take advantage of others. 
We care for those in need. These are really practical things. We don't embellish our story or our profile. Bible says some very, very strong things about liars. Why? Because God cares deeply about the truth. Here's, here's my prayer point. God, would you give me a heart that seeks justice, that hungers for truth, that would see those who are unseen? Would you reshape my heart that I would not justify my own ungodly actions, but teach me how to live in your truth? My second point is this, and it's mercy. See, mercy is a funny one to follow on from truth because, I'm sorry, from justice, because both are about the consequence, right? But the Bible tells us not to seek revenge. (laughs) Yeah, guilty. (laughs) Sorry, Lord. Leviticus 19, don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, your people, but in love, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Romans 12, 17, repay no evil for evil. I have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not argue with yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will pay it, says the Lord. See, mercy is all about truth but the consequences are settled on your behalf. Why? Because the king of truth says, I'll deal with that. There is no one that cares more deeply about the truth than the king of glory. And that's why he says, leave revenge to me. Because that is true justice, because I have the truth. See, they do interlink. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We all know the parable of of the unmerciful servant. If, if you don't, you can find it in Matthew 18, 21. I'm not going to read it because it's quite long and for the sake of time. But note that down. There's, there's a beautiful parable there around how God sees mercy in those who are merciful and those who are not. It's quite confronting. But if God has shown me this great mercy, who am I to withhold mercy from someone else? Because those other people matter to God matters to me. God, teach me to be merciful. Let me never take your mercy over my life for granted. I repent and I step forward knowing that your grace is enough. My final point this morning is this, as I quickly come to a close, maybe I can invite the team to to come and play behind me. That would be great. In In my studies, I've noticed that the word humbly that Micah uses can also be translated as prudently. In a way that shows care for the future, it's an intentional action word setting yourself up for the future. And we know, we know that humility is close to the heart of God. 1 Peter 5 says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty right hand, and in the due time, he will lift you up. Influence. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. As followers of Christ, we follow the example, which was this. said it before. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Act justly. Love mercy. 
walk humbly. It's time for us to come back to the basics. And the power of influence is founded in that. God, would you remind me of your reverence, your holiness, that I would better know what it is and what it was for you to humbly come as a man, as a ransom for me. Would you remove pride in my heart that I would walk close with you and serve those around me for the glory of your name? I want to close this morning with this imagery, this beautiful story. And if you can, I want you to try and place yourself in this as I describe it. In John 12, we read this story. It says the six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given to Jesus in honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Verse 3, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet. Wiped his feet with her hair. Here's what I want you to to picture. This last sentence has captivated me for probably two years now. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I wonder what it would have been like for people to walk past that house in that moment. I wonder what it would have been like for people who came into that house once Jesus had left. How long did that scent remain? See, we get this picture that it lingered. It wasn't just surrounding Jesus and and those with him at the table, but it's this thing that it filled the whole house. Friends, that's a beautiful image of the effect that influence has. Through the simplicity of our things, the basics of our humility at the feet of Jesus can have an impact to others around us. When we walk justly, when we love mercy, when we walk humbly with our God, it is like pouring perfume of worship upon the feet of Jesus. And that those around us, as they would come into presence of our house, we're called the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a house. And as people come into contact with that, that fragrance is meant to go beyond us. That's influence. The simple act of sitting and going, Jesus, here I am as your servant. Bring me back to the base. I'm not going to present you with all my wonderful stuff that the world would call good. I'm just going to come back to what you've asked me to do. And in that place, I know that I carry influence. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.